When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Emphasis on the breaking stories this week in episode number 69, again, of the Barcelona Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again with myself, Dan Hilton, Frances Tomas across the ocean, and soon to be joined for our La Ronda by Yuenya Carolee, of course, as she's been reoccurring on the show. No longer really a guest, almost a third additional co-host. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we want to let you know, thanks again for not only tuning in, but please tap on your app and check out our show notes. You can leave a review wherever you're listening. And you can also find us on social media at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. So again, check out all we have in the show notes, including some deals in the near future. And we're going to announce that later on. Next week, we've got a big announcement for you. But in the meantime, we also want to thank our Patreons. You can go to patreon.com backslash the Barcelona podcast or tbpod.link backslash Patreon to help us continue to make two shows a week. And Frances, if we have as much news as we did this week, we can make six or seven shows a week. But again, let's not let the listeners know that those the kind of things could ever be possible. No, I mean, hopefully we can one day get to that stage. But um, I think if we try to do it now, especially with my little girls at home, I would collapse. And I wouldn't be very good fun if I was collapsed while I'm talking or trying to talk through the episode. Um, welcome to episode 69. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Arthur. Arthur Melo, Artur, if you say in a Brazilian accent, um, is coming to Barca. And we're going to discuss that in La Gran Pregunta. After that is La Ronda de Preguntas with Eugenia and obviously Dan. The Barcelona Podcast 69 starts right here. And while Malaga was already two days ago, 
that is ancient news at this point after, again, the announcement of Arthur. Arthur Mello, quick profile, 21-year-old Brazilian midfielder from Grêmio. At age 14, he moved to Grêmio from his hometown club and has moved up to their youth system. So the Brazilian first division is the only place that, especially here in the States, that I ever would have been able to see him on a few occasions. And while it may, be, it may make some sense to throw some season stats at you from last year, of course, the Brazilian League, not in session right now, but in the 2016-2017 first division, he hit 93% of his passes on a team that only hits 84%, so he clearly pulls up their average. But that said, and again, I don't want to mention Douglas on the podcast, but here it goes, the Brazilian League and La Liga is very different, so all those other little stats probably don't mean anything, and his transition from Brazil to Barcelona, of course, as many foreign players, including somebody coming from Germany via France, and Dembele can tell you that moving to La Liga is just a whole new can of worms for particularly these young players. So for me, Frances, the big news out of this is that he could be coming in July instead of January as expected, and that's going to give him not only a preseason, but time to assimilate to the city of Barcelona and the team, and that I think is the biggest news of the day. Yes, for sure. That is precisely the point. I mean, um, there were rumors before the transfer was confirmed that he was going to join us in the transfer window in January 2018, obviously going into 2019, January. Um, for him to come before that, that is superb news because, as you said, the preseason is really, really important. And we've seen it with Dembele, obviously. He wasn't with us. He was in Rebeldia. He was being a rebel and refusing to train with Borussia Dortmund to force a transfer. And then, obviously, he joined us. But in a way, it was too late. And um, the two injuries that he suffered are a direct result of that. Um, if Arthur was to join us in the summer, which again, everyone in the Catalan media and it, even the official page are saying that it's pretty much the done deal then, then it's going to be great. I mean, that's when relationships are formed. That's when understanding is formed. That is where the vast majority of carga física, which is the stamina that you put on your legs and your body in order to endure the season, and that's when the vast majority of work happens. So having him joining us there would be great. Um, I think it is remarkable. And, you know, this happens pretty much every time we sign someone as well. Um, the Catalan media are reporting that he's giving up 20% of his transfer fee to come to us, um, which is great. I mean, it's obviously his dream to join Barca. And we're very delighted that, that he's actually done that. But, you know, you've got to read between the lines on that. Um, in terms of Barca, I was very very quick and efficient. Um, you've got Robert that went all the way to Brazil to secure the transfer. And given the prices that are going on this moment in time, playing 30 plus 9 million in variables for his signing does not necessarily scream too expensive to me. He's been long regarded as one of the best players in La Liga in Brazil. And obviously represented Brazil in the under-17s, under-20s. Um, he's won La Copa Libertadores as well, a, Copa, a couple of more Brazilian titles. Um, he's not been called up for the latest Brazil preparation game towards the World Cup, but he's already been called up for that team before in the past, and he's not discarded to make the World Cup 22 that um, go to Russia in the summer. So all in all, a great sign-in that will add quality to our current squad. And the number, we've, we're often very critical of the board, and 30 million plus 9 million in variables, to me, doesn't seem too much on a player who, unlike when we were very critical of Paulinho, a 29-year-old at the time, and his 40 million transfer fee, for me, 30 million plus 9 in today's market for somebody who's 
clearly rated as high as FC Barcelona rates him, I think is going to make sense. If he's a flop, he's a flop, but it's going to cost that much to get a young player, 21 years old, who the way that they're bringing over, and I think it's, for you and I, it would be a disservice to hype him or overhype him too much. Again, I think we have to give a young player, remember he's only 21, that kind of opportunity. And speaking of his inexperience, he only really became a regular starter for Gremio at the beginning of almost 2017. And so Barcelona clearly must see, must like what they see in the limited time they've seen him in the Brazilian first division. He had a breakout performance that came in the Copa Libertadores, as you mentioned, in his debut in that competition after positive showings in the league against Club Gorani, which, again, a club that I'd have to say most people are not very familiar with outside of Brazil. He completed 40 passes of 40, and again, that's still against a quality opponent in that level, at that level. He has two goals for the club in 48 appearances, and as you mentioned, Frances, he was called up to the Brazilian senior team for World Cup qualifiers in Bolivia and Chile in October, but did not get time off the bench. And the most important thing about what he has been up to lately, well, he's been injured since December the 3rd in the final round of the league. Of course, the Brazilian league then ends and restarts and kicks up again April 14th. April 5th is Gremio's next official match in the Copa Libertadores against a Venezuelan side, Manangas SC, who again, I would be lying if I said I ever saw Manangas SC, so to know what kind of caliber opponent that is, I'm not sure. That said, from April though, and just April and May, and maybe the, not really even the start of June, if he's going to be a part of Brazil's World Cup squad, he's going to have to be fantastic in about five weeks of action. So for me, I'm skeptical that he'd be in Brazil's World Cup squad. But that said, that means that he could get a few more matches in league before he makes that transfer in July so that he's pretty much already in form but hasn't had too much of a season. Like Paulinho, the opposite side for him was that he played in China. And as we've mentioned before, he should have been basically the end of that season. And then he began another La Liga season in Barcelona. But for Arthur, he's basically just going to have a few weeks of getting ready and getting set and working in the Brazilian first division to get back his form and then basically could hit preseason running in Barcelona. So to me, whether or not he makes a World Cup squad, yes, we'd love it if he got that profile upgrade, if you'd say. But I think for him, either way, it's going to be a positive thing to get him ready to go for FC Barcelona in season number one. Of course. And I think it all comes with the experience going to the World Cup. And it happened to Ronaldo, uh, arguably the real Ronaldo, Ronaldo Nazario. Uh, when he went to his first World Cup, he didn't quite feature very much. Uh, obviously, there was a huge amount of hype back in Brazil. Like, this kid is amazing, you should play him. But he didn't feature, I don't even know if he featured at all, actually, thinking about it. But um, I think the importance of the experience cannot be overestimated. Being surrounded by players of the caliber of, obviously, it was Romario, Bebeto, um, Rivaldo during Ronaldo's time. But the current Brazilian squad it would be really good for Arthur to see and for Arthur to, you know, gain that that experience. But, you know, even if he didn't get that, then he would just come to Barcelona straight from Gremio and he would be getting more appearances back home, which is which is what we want. We want the player to be as experienced and as exposed to high-level competition as possible. And, yeah, I really don't see... I don't really don't see a detriment either way. I think it's a win-win situation. Um Obviously, 51 appearances for Arthur so far in his career. It's not a lot, but then again, at 21 years old, you would expect a number around that. Um, last season, he's, according to whoscore.com, 
His average rating was 7.0, passing accuracy 93%, which is quite high considering the demands of the Brazilian Championship. 74 passes per game, so that shows that he's a player that was highly involved in the build-up in his current club. 4.1 long balls per game, and I wanted to include this stat simply because to show that he's not always going to do one-on-one, one-two sort of thing, short touches in the middle. He actually is someone who expands the pitch um, throughout the use of long balls and, and has got a great vision and enough confidence to attempt those sort of passes. Talking about key passes, 0.8 of those per game. Um, he's someone that prefers to pass the ball when faced one-on-one, but if, if needed, he does provide 0.7 dribbles per game. And then defensively, he's not someone who is known because of his defensive capabilities, but he's not shy away from it. So 1.1 intersections per game and 1.9 tackles. So I think he's quite a complete player. And, and going back to basically our original point, he's a 100% traditional Barca DNA player. He's the type of player that um, Kules have always traditionally been incredibly proud of. Now, he's not one of our own as such. He wasn't developed in La Masia and he's not Xavi or Iniesta, but I think given the fact that he's from Brazil, given the fact that he was developed in a different philosophy, um, I think he's the closest thing we're going to get to one of the La Masia homegrown players. And I am delighted because of his sign and really, really pleased. So as Kevin Williams on Twitter noted, he does have a very similar physical base as in a low center of gravity. He's 5'8", or 172 centimeters, which is just about the same height as Xavi, a little bit taller, but that's why they compare him to a player not only like Xavi in terms of what he does to control a game, but he also has, as Kevin noted, seemingly a crouched over stance that is very similar to that of Messi, Iniesta, Roberto, and even Busquets, where they really do bring their body and their waist to be a low center of gravity so they can turn quickly on the ball, and that helps control the pace of a game where you can basically have a hundred and or excuse me, 360 degrees, where because you can turn on the ball and do those pirouettes that all these La Mazzia players are supposed to do, we even see Elena doing it now. And that kind of transitions into the final point in this Arthur segment, which will be the biggest part of trying to answer this question. And one of our patrons, again, a big thank you to him, particularly our superstar patron in Mike Cummings, has asked, with the signing of Arthur and the emergence of Carlos Alenia, who again has been a superstar for Barcelona B and the main reason why they're not in the relegation zone right now in the Segunda division, how will Barcelona start out their midfield next year? Even assuming Iniesta goes to China, which I'm not entirely sold on that one, and Denise Suarez, Ilesh Vidal, and potentially Andre Gomes all being sold and not having a place on the club, that would then still leave Sergi Busquets, Sergio Busquets, even Rakitic, Polinho, Coutinho, Dembele, Alenia, and Arthur, not to mention Sergio Roberto, who is probably going to be the right back, but could be moved back into the middle of the field as well. That's an option. So the question will be, is Alenia and Arthur still going to be in the first team together? How will that rotation work? How will the minutes work? What formation will Valverde use? And how do you see the midfield lining up in the strongest 11 next year? And that's either assuming Valverde sticks with a 4-4-2 or he converts back to a 4-3-3. And for me, I think, again, I don't want to overthink this in that if it's a 4-4-2, Cadinho is the instant starter at left midfield. I think that Iniesta probably might not go to China. I know people are really trying to throw that out there. But until he's gone, he's gone. And I don't think he's ever showed that he wants to be anywhere but Barcelona to finish his career. But again, 
things happened. We saw that Mascherano kind of left in a matter of three weeks. He said, I think I'm going to go to China. And then he was gone three weeks later. But I think Iniesta still has so much to give and certainly has a place when healthy. And this season, Barcelona have been a different squad. I mean, look how much we want him back against Chelsea. They're a different squad when he's on the field. And I don't think things are going to change six, seven months from now. That said, Arthur, I think, will be taking minutes from Andre Gomez if he stays at the club. And I think Paulinho is going to have some minutes also and starts taking away from Arthur. But I don't think when you worry about a starting 11, you have to worry about a 21-year-old midfielder who's in his first season at Barcelona from Brazil. I think he's going to be a bench player next year. And of course, guys like Denise Suarez will be completely faded out. But in that midfield, look how often Busquets and Rakitic have had to play this year, where even against Malaga who you'd have to say there should have been heavy rotation. Denise Suarez picks up that knock midweek. So again, that's a reason we didn't see him. And Paulinho is probably going to be expected to start against Chelsea. And so Rakitic and Busquets, again, the starters against Malaga. That's the kind of game in La Liga, especially with Barcelona this season, pretty much after having beaten Atletico Madrid, eight points ahead still, should have wrapped up La Liga. That's the game that Arthur starts, and I think that's how it'll be next year with him coming to the club. That's where he'll get his appearances, and the rest will just be off the bench. Do you agree? Yes, yes. I think Arthur's skill is the fact that he can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield. Um, if we've got a 4-4-2, I do see him being more central, though. And the thing is, Busquets and Rakitic, and I'm going to say both of them, really. I'm going to put them in the same sort of pack. They have been excellent this season. I mean, Busquets has really benefited from having Rakitic protection and he's not been as exposed as he was last season. And Rakitic has grown and, and you know, the last couple of years for Rakitic haven't been fantastic, but the player that joined us from Sevilla in his first season was outstanding. Um, obviously, he was open a little bit further to the right during the Luis Enrique's first year, but this year playing alongside Busquets in the middle, he's been instrumental. Um, and in both ends on the pitch, I think he's one of the best, if not the best player in the Barca squad. This is Rakitic now. Um, in order to understand attacking transitions, coming into defensive transitions, he has been e- excellent. But if either Busquets or Rakitic were injured, it's, they're really, really difficult to replace. And that's where I see uh, our young signing Arthur being a difference and, and sort of making an impact. Um, as to whether Iniesta is going to China, I don't think he's going. Um, probably that's more my heart saying he will never leave us than actually reality and numbers. But he hasn't said anything for or against it, which leads me to think that he actually will stay. And for me, the starting on the right should really be Dembele, um, if you're going to give um, some attacking perspective. But obviously you need to fit Coutinho somewhere in there. And Paulinho will certainly have a place, especially as, you know, as he's pretty much certain now, Valverde is going to be a coach next year again. So I think... As I've said before in the podcast, it's not about having the three starters or the four starters. It's about having seven players who are actually truly challenging for a start. And Arthur has enough quality, has enough experience, although he's quite young, and has enough growth potential in order to make an impact. Now, I do want to say, obviously, we're overbooked. Denis Suarez, Gomez, Alcácer, Vidal, and probably even Jerry Mina will have to go this summer. Um, simply because of wage and the fact that, you know, they really haven't featured too much. But I think that the promotion of Alanya is a must, but I would like to see Cucurella, Arnaiz and even Miranda promoted as soon as possible. And I think that Barca have been the best when there's been a, a remark, sort of a re- meaningful, remarkable presence from La Masia-grown players within the midfield. And I think definitely the promotion of Alanya 
is a must in order to ensure that that continues throughout the future. I do agree with you that Sergi Roberto is quite likely, because he's been so good, staying at right back, but he should also be thrown into the mix, into midfield, whenever it's needed, and that would depend on Semedo's growth. So there's a lot of question marks as to where we are going, but I really want to make sure that if we are buying players that are 21 years old, such as Dembele and Arthur, that does not mean that La Masia has a bit of a ceiling on top, because players need to know that coming up to the first team on a promotion basis is not a dream, it's more of an achievable reality, and I wouldn't want that to, to change or to be the case, to be honest. Yeah, they're going to have to find minutes for Elena either way. I, I think Arthur, because of his transfer and the way that it was, he'll find some of those minutes, but Elena, Valverde's going to have to make minutes for him, and he certainly has done enough for Barcelona B to deserve those minutes. And the one caveat I'll say, though, where I disagree slightly is some of those names you mentioned will leave the club but guys like Alesh Vidal, maybe he doesn't leave the club because of the depth on the wing. Or maybe, for me, Yuri Mina is, could potentially go out on loan, but there's a 0% chance you could start talking about the money coming in from a sale for Mina. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. But other than that, I agree with every point you made, Frances. And you know, Dan, you're probably right. Most of the time, you're a super expert, and I'm going to have to trust your judgment. Well, I appreciate the sentiments, Frances, but for now, let's move on to La Ronda de Preguntas, where, of course, we welcome back on the show, Ohenia Carolee. Hello again for another edition of La Ronda. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm back. We're making this a tradition. It's a tradition we're really proud of, and we're delighted to have you on the show, Eugenia. Super happy to be back on the show as well. And we'll start La Ronda with, of course, not necessarily questions, but I'll give you a quick, brief update on Barcelona B who remained four points clear of the drop zone. They drew Numancia 2-2 at home. Carlos Elena scored from the penalty spot, and Alba Ruiz put them up 2-0, but goals in the 72nd and stoppage time gave Numancia the draw. But again, the big story here is that Barcelona B still four points away from the relegation zone. Barcelona Femini, meanwhile, not so great news. They drew Atletico Madrid 1-1 to remain second in the table, one spot behind Atletico, the 1-0 loss to Athletic three match days ago is looking to be the backbreaker unless Atletico Madrid slip up. So right now, Barcelona Femini on a crash course with second place in their league, unfortunately. But let's start the La Ronda with a question about the first team coming in from Jackson. And it's a simple, what were your thoughts on the Malaga game? And I bet both of you are going to mention Dembele in your answers. Well, I think that uh, we were lucky enough to see a very solid team, considering that every, everybody was panicking for that messy withdrawal from the from the team uh, last minute because of the birth of his new kid. So I, I heard a lot of like fans and media panicking about what would Barca do without Messi. And I think we got a pretty good result. We can see that we have a, a strong team off and off, on and off the field. We have a very strong bench. And I think it was a great opportunity for Dembele to actually show off uh, regardless of that goal still missing. He's not a, a player best known for his uh, quantity of goals of scoring. But he was definitely a key player in that team. And Coutinho was also amazing. And I think we have a pretty solid backup for whenever we need to leave Messi rest. And I think it was a rest more than welcome for Messi to be on fire for that game against Chelsea on Wednesday. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the main message of the game is the fact that Barca can be successful 
without Messi being there and basically leading the team. Um, I also think that Coutinho and Dembélé were amazing, as Eugenia said, but probably because they have more room for growth and more room for maneuver and space to sort of run into. And I was delighted about the response of the whole team. Um, we need to put it into perspective, obviously. Malaga have been abysmal this season. And, you know, I was listening to the press conference from both coaches um, this morning through Catalunya Radio. And actually, the manager at Malaga and the president, they're pretty much given up hope or even not being relegated. Um, so we need to put that into perspective. I think the game against Chelsea is going to be a completely different ball game. But for all that's worth, and that's what the question from Jackson is asking, I think it was a good showing against a team that is obviously struggling and we were solid, which is, we need to take that as a positive. I think just to finish it off, I think it was going to be a much stronger match considering that Malaga is, uh, you know, on borderline of going to the second uh, league. And I think it was going to be a much tougher match and they were going to be uh, more aggressive. I think they were more more aggressive on the actually aggressive part of the definition of the question with that, uh, you know, kick to Jordi Alba from... Samuel, they, it just seemed like a desperate team. And I really thought that it was going to be a tougher game for, for Barca without Messi. But I think they completely pulled it off. And in the first 30 minutes, they just minimized Malaga 100%. So, unfortunately, I have to change the tone of the show a little bit for some unfortunate news. And this isn't necessarily bad news, but an interview that came out with Andre Gomes from Revista Penenka where now these are exact quotes coming from the player, the Portuguese midfielder. Maybe it's not the right word, but life at Barca has turned into a bit of a hell because I started to feel more pressure. On more than one occasion, I haven't wanted to leave the house. People look at you. I'm afraid of going onto the street as I feel ashamed. And following up to that, we have two questions related to this interview that Andre Gomez gave from Peña Barcelona of Las Vegas, uh, Los Angeles. Do you think the interview with Gomez about his struggles with the Barcelona faithful will change people's opinion of him? And that's in reference to two weeks ago when both Valverde and Ter Stegen scolded the crowd at the Camp Nou for booing Andre Gomez when he had to come on in that Atletico Madrid match against for Iniesta, who came out injured. And will Kule start supporting all the players wearing the Barca shirt even when they play poorly? And the other question related to that comes from Afsen Fire. Seeing Andre Gomez talking about his life at Barca, saying his life has become hell. He also said he has low confidence. What are our thoughts on that? And first, I just want to speak up and say that being a professional athlete, of course, we know mentally it sometimes is just as important as being physical. And whether it was Guardiola or Luis Enrique, coaches and managers through the years have also mentioned just how much pressure not only the media, but the people surrounding the club put on you being a part of FC Barcelona. And just the the negativity that we see Dembele get this season and now Andre Gomes, he's not in the right space. And I wouldn't at this point want him to lead the club because of his skill set or anything related to his on-field product. But for his own safety and well-being, I think he's a player that no longer makes much sense at the camp. No, and I, to, to and it's I think it's cynical of me to say, and I wonder if the two of you will agree, I think it's cynical of me to believe that people on social media or people in the stadium are all of a sudden going to be really supportive and change their tune because a player is asking for positivity and not even that he asked for help or positivity, but he's just trying to express how difficult it's been and that he is trying and that mental health and in the NBA with Kevin Love recently of the Cleveland Cavaliers even coming out and all these athletes and people supporting him that, you know, mental health can be so important. And when you're living in the public eye, 
It can be difficult, and negativity weighs on players and people. And for Andre Gomez, I just now want the best for the person, knowing that he's struggling with this. And I, I know it's cliche to say, because when it comes down, it comes down to results and wins and losses. But for Valverde and the whole club, I want them to support him both mentally, and clearly you see they support him physically as well on the field. But for everyone else, I don't expect fans to change their minds. I think, if anything, just negativity builds in that way, and I hope that the player can find his way at Barca until he can find his way and potentially a better time in his career away from the club. I need to agree almost 100% with you on that, On that, Dan. Uh, for, uh, for me... Honestly, it's completely out of place to give an interview like that because if you're going to be a, a professional player for Football Club Barcelona, you need to be on top of your game both physically, talent-wise, and mentally. And for me, this is Andre Gomez being a victim and looking for support from, from, from the fans in a place where I would almost assure you that it's only going to get worse after this interview because if you're going to come play for Barca, you know what you're getting into. And... If you see pictures from Guardiola in 2008 versus Guardiola in 2012, Luis Enrique when he started at Barca and when he left, and Valverde in just a year, you can see the toll that the, the pressure takes on them. But I have never seen a player or a coach complaining or playing victim in such a way like Andre Gomez is doing. And for me, it's just if you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. I sort of see both points. Um, I have to agree with Dan in terms of well-being and supporting people that are going through difficulties, but my, that's what my brain says. But my heart actually agrees with Eugenia in the sense that playing for Barca is something that is incredibly demanding from every single perspective. And you just need to be at the very best, at the very top of your game. And Andre Gomez really hasn't been for whatever reason, I think. Um, coming out in an interview and saying that it's not necessarily going to make things better and yeah I think things like that you know you need to discuss you need to you can't really stay silent but I don't know if going to the media with it is the best solution I'm sure there's a lot of uh, teammates but definitely staff within the club that could have supported with that as well um, I, I'm in two minds about it and I don't really necessarily feel very strongly about it either way. But, you know, my heart says one thing, but my brain says another one. Well, let's change topics to previewing Chelsea a little bit and bring the podcast back up on a lighter note. We've got two questions about the, excuse me, three questions about the Chelsea match from Matthew Lazardi, Again, one of our original listeners. We want to thank him for all the support over what is almost a year now, 10 months. And Matt asks, what do you think will be different tactically in next week's game against Chelsea as opposed to the game at Stamford Bridge? On both sides, I'm interested to hear what you think with Chelsea needing a goal, at least, obviously, with the 1-1 draw at Stamford Bridge and Barcelona getting the away goal. Joe Williams then asks, in Valverde's seat, do you go conservative and start with a fourth midfielder or start with Dembele to open things up? And of course, they only need a draw. Does Barcelona 0-0 would see them through, but a difficult task against a Premier League club. And finally, Luis asks whether Dembele will start versus Chelsea. So all three of those questions kind of asking the same thing. How is Valverde going to set up his tactics against Chelsea that you know can't really park the bus because they need to get that away goal that Barcelona got? Yeah, with that, I, if I can go first, I'm, I'm not quite sure what Valverde is going to do. But whatever decision he takes is going to say a lot about who he is as a coach. Um, as you mentioned, we don't necessarily need to win the game. Um, a draw sees us through. However, 
are you really going to start, um, say, Andre Gomes in one side, Paulinho on the left, because that, you know, if Iniesta doesn't recover, which is still to be seen, to be honest, um, and then having the two central uh, Busquets and Rakitic pairing, is that really going to be something that Camp Nou are going to be impressed about? They're not, and Valverde knows that, so what is he going to do? I mean, for me, it really is a no-brainer. If Iniesta does recover, he plays. Personally, I don't think that, given his age and injury record, that is advisable. But then Iniesta knows his body better than anyone else. And he's been trying quite hard in training, um, according to the images that we've seen this week. Um, so that's one. If Iniesta was not available, I think Dembélé, given the, the, work, the work that he did in the Copa Catalunya game against Espanyol and definitely Malaga, I think he would be an option. I mean, let's face it, Chelsea are going to close up. They're going to, I don't know if park the bus as aggressively as they've always done, but definitely going to be in the defensive third. And I think Dembele's ability to unbalance and his speed could be a solution. Um, I'm really interested to see what you guys have to say about that. Well, uh, first of all, I just want to make uh, sure that everyone's clear that the draw that will get Barca through is the non-goal draw, 0-0, zero, because zero, a one-to-one draw would actually take us to extra time. And I actually really hope that Iniesta does recover. He knows his body better than anyone, as you ju as you just mentioned, Princess, and he's been trying really hard, and I think that he's going to pull through, and he's going to be there on Wednesday. Uh, as much as I love Dembélé and I think he's going to give us great uh, things to talk about in the future, I think this is a match that requires the experience and the level-headed and the strong mental, um, the mental strength in order to deal with the pressure of, of such an important match at Camp Nou. And I do see... Um, I do see an offensive Chelsea, especially in the first half. And I really hope that Valverde goes very offensive as well because if we get a first goal from Chelsea in the first half or before Barca even scores then I, we can totally see Chelsea parking the bus and that's gonna get uh, that's gonna make things very complicated for Football Club Barcelona so we definitely have to go for that first goal in the first half and try to keep the the, the goal the our, our area and no at no goals and not just not to risk it you know So I really, as you mentioned, this is going to really tell us what Valverde is really made of and how gutsy he is. Yeah, and my gut, and you guys have said what we think Valverde is going to do, and I agree, is that I think every time that you think he was going to surprise you with a lineup, he just goes with what you expected him to go with. So if Iniesta is fit, to me, the midfield four is going to be Iniesta, Rakitic, Busquets, and Paulinho, and... If Iniesta's not fit, I think it goes Andre Gomez, Rakitic, Busquets, and Paulinho. And then Dembele, though, will be in the game. I think no matter what, Usmane Dembele will come off the bench in some form. But in what minute and in what way do Barcelona need him is when he comes off the game. So I think that this is a game that we're going to be getting what we expect. And at the end of the day, Valverde, potentially his whole season, if Barcelona can't get through this round of the Champions League... If they crash out here, Valverde's whole season, unfortunately, even though they're unbeaten in the league, is going to be summed up by this result. For sure, and that's why the game is that important. I think the support of the Camp Nou is going to be crucial as well. Um, I am delighted to say that attendances have risen. I mean, we sort of hit rock bottom in the Copa del Rey semifinals, and to be honest, it was quite embarrassing. We had around 40,000 
um, turning up for the game and obviously the Camino holds close to 100,000 which you know made the stadium look half empty but from that point on people have been turning up to the stadium um, much more regularly and I really fully expect the Camino to be hugely supportive and as I said before I truly expect uh, well it's not that I expect but I hope that Valverde actually gives us a show that we will be proud of and for me that includes the most attacking 11 we can possibly have whether that's Iniesta and Dembélé remains to be seen but I think we should go for the game because you know we are FC Barcelona we don't play to secure our results and to be honest I'd be quite disappointed if, if that's the approach but let's see what happens well here's here's another one a quick question that's short for both of you Abhishek asks, do you think we can go unbeaten in La Liga? I mean, I would love to say just give me a yes or no, but I think we probably need a little more detail. Okay, I'll go first here. I We've been talking about this like all weekend, saying can you imagine if Barcelona finishes the Liga and wins La Liga actually unbeaten? That would be... That would be so much more than a celebration of La Liga, you know. That would, that's actually Barcelona making history once again. And after that match against Atletico de Madrid, I can totally see it happening. But does it matter, Eugenia? Do you think it matters too much? I think by now it does, because right now it's much more, especially the feeling in Barcelona is much more, it, it's like another challenge, you know, it's not just winning another Liga, it's winning La Liga without actually being beaten throughout, it's like winning El Triplete, it's, you know, it's something that has never been done, and it's something that would actually set up the bar really, really high, and I think it actually really does matter at this point, because if you don't, if you, if you go unbeaten, Till halfway of the season, okay, and you lose a game. I mean, it's the normal. It's the normal thing to happen. But once you've gone, you've gone through like all the tough matches, and the only really tough match that we have ahead of us is in, in, in beginning of May against El Clasico against Madrid. But considering how Madrid has been doing in La Liga, I do not see it as one of the most uh, actually one of the most top uh, of the toughest matches of the season. I think the top the toughest match of the season was our match last Sunday against Atlético de Madrid, and they did just fine. So I don't see Barcelona having a problem with going throughout uh, through the La Liga unbeaten and that would set up the bar really really high for for upcoming seasons for other teams that's really interesting because obviously it's great to have you because obviously you're in Barcelona and you're within the media in there um, to know the feeling I mean for me it makes no difference I would rather have you know a couple of losses in La Liga when hopefully we're challenging for the Champions League semis and even final to have the players more rested but it's great to hear that actually back home people seem to care a bit more than I personally seem to do. I think it's a matter of it's it's a matter of comparison you know how competitive teams are in 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 La, in Spain when it comes to oh we are the only team to make to get the triplete or we are the only team in Madrid's case to win two Champions Leagues in a row so that kind of of statistics when it comes to com competitiveness in La Liga is very, very important. And for people in Barcelona, it's actually it's actually making them really proud to see their team making it so far through La Liga without actually losing a single match. And it does, uh, it, it does add up to the confidence of the team and the fans. Neil asks, can Elenia and Arthur coexist? 
But I think I'm going to rephrase this, Ohenia, to just ask you real quickly, do you think if Alenia is promoted and a new midfielder is brought in, and Arthur obviously over the summer is when he's expected to arrive, are there going to be minutes for everybody in that midfield, even when Valverde starts four center midfielders across that four in the 4-4-2? I think that's going to depend 100% on the on Andres Iniesta's future. And we're going to see. Uh, we'll see after the season is over is he, if he's actually going to leave or he's going to stay. If he does leave, I think that there is going to be space for them to coexist. If, he, if Andres Iniesta does stay uh, for another season, uh, they're going to have to wait a bit. Yeah, I like that answer, and it's pretty much what Frances and I had said in the Grand Pagut, of course, where we broke down everything about Arthur. And then again, a big thank you again to Eugenia for joining us for La Ronda de Preguntas, as that wraps up another edition of the Barcelona Podcast. Thanks for listening as we bring you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon, and Forza Barca. Bonanit, see you on Wednesday at the Camp No. Forza! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.